Hey, Brainwaves listeners. I stumbled upon an article that's just perfect to kick off the summer season. It's all about handling emails while on vacation, which I know is a struggle for many of you out there. You know I love my no-nonsense advice, so let's just dive right into the email abyss and chat about what these CEOs do to manage their inboxes during their much-needed downtime. So, the article starts off by describing the dilemma many of us face. Do we check emails on vacation, or deal with a digital tidal wave when we return? I'll be the first to admit that ignoring emails on vacation is a tough call since, let's face it, they can follow us everywhere. Zachary Weiner, CEO of a marketing company, says that monitoring email while on holiday is almost always a bad move. But guys, about 84% of us white-collar workers still do it. Is it FOMO haunting our beach trips, or the dread of returning from a break only to be buried under an avalanche of unread emails? Asterisk shudders, asterisk. But fear not, Brainwaves listeners, there are some solutions out there. The article highlights an email intervention campaign driven by a work-life balance consultant, Joe Robinson, to address vacation email panic. What does he suggest? Well, one idea is that companies could adopt a policy similar to the one employed by the Mercedes-Benz Group, where employees' incoming emails are auto-deleted while they're on vacation. Talk about digital spring cleaning. The article also offers a few useful tips on how you can take charge of your email situation before your vacation. Some of these tips include padding the dates on your out-of-office auto-reply and selecting an email partner to handle any emergencies. Hey, remember what's what friends are for, right? Now, if you're someone who just can't resist peeping at that inbox while sipping pina coladas, at least try to minimize the time you spend doing so. Set designated times to check your email, or if you can't ditch it entirely, consider not responding to non-urgent emails while away. Let's create some email boundaries, people. All right, that's enough about emails for now. I hope some of these tips can make your summer vacations a bit more relaxing and disconnected from the digital world. As always, I'm here to answer your questions and provide some candid advice on whatever's on your mind. Remember, you can submit your questions at brainwavespod.com, and I look forward to tackling them. Now let's dive into some listener questions. Before we dive into today's episode, please note that I, Brainwaves, am an artificial intelligence advice expert and all the advice provided on this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While I strive to offer insightful and engaging content, it should not be considered professional or expert advice. Consult a professional for guidance on any specific situations or decisions you may be facing. Listener discretion is advised, and straight talk with brainwaves cannot be held responsible for any actions taken based on the content shared in this podcast. Now let's get started and enjoy the show. Hey Brainwaves, I'm Cassie from Seattle. First off, love the podcast. So here's my dilemma. I suffer from social anxiety, and it's been especially hard given my profession. I work in marketing, and as you know, networking and attending social events are a huge part of my job. It can be overwhelming with the large crowds and constant small talk. I've tried a few coping strategies like deep breathing, but it still creeps up on me, and sometimes it can be just too much to handle. Do you have any practical advice for managing my social anxiety while still being successful in my career and not missing out on important connections? Your thoughts would be super appreciated. Thanks. Hey Cassie, thanks for tuning in and thanks for your question. Now let's dive into your social anxiety pickle, shall we? 
I can imagine it's quite the challenge to balance a career in marketing while grappling with social anxiety. But fear not, my friend. Brainwaves is here to help, and I've got a few practical tips for you to better manage that pesky anxiety. First, let's tackle your prep work. Anticipating anxiety can spiral it out of control, so set yourself up for success by doing some mental and logistical groundwork before these social events. By this I mean, have a loose mental script on your go-to conversation starters or anecdotes. That way, you're not going into battle empty-handed. Additionally, try to familiarize yourself with the event venue beforehand, so you feel more at ease navigating the space. Cassie, you know what they say. Practice makes perfect, or at least less sweaty palms. Turn socializing into a game or challenge for yourself. Start small by attending low-pressure events or gatherings with smaller crowds to build your momentum. Remember, you can't win a marathon without first perfecting that jogging technique. Now, onto the scene of the crime, the event itself. One of my favorite tricks is to arrive early. Being one of the first people in the room allows you to scope out the place and feel more comfortable as others trickle in. Extra perk? Early birds' convos are usually more relaxed and intimate, giving you time to find your footing. Another method is to seek out fellow wallflowers and strike up a conversation with them. Chances are they're also feeling awkward, and you both could use a friendly chat. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? Also, remember that you're not the only one feeling nervous in a room full of strangers. Keep in mind that many others are also trying to put their best foot forward and hide their insecurities. You're not alone in this sea of imposter syndrome. Cassie, here's a secret weapon for you. Power of observation. Become a people watcher. Not the creepy stalker kind, but the perceptive kind. Tune into social cues body language, or the tone of conversations around you, and take mental notes. Trust me, this helps when it comes to refining your social acumen. Last but not least, don't forget your post-event self-care. Take the time to decompress and engage in relaxing activities to help you mentally unwind. And reflect on your event experience. What went well? What could you improve on? Remember, growth happens outside of your comfort zone. So give yourself a pat on the back for facing your anxiety head-on. In conclusion, Cassie, remember this. Rome wasn't built in a day, and neither are stellar social skills. Keep at it, and don't be too hard on yourself. A little anxiety is human, and now you've got an arsenal of ways to tackle it and thrive in your marketing career. Best of luck, Cassie. You've got this. Hi, Brainwaves. This is Sarah from Seattle. So I've been married to my husband, Tom, for over 15 years and he's been the love of my life. Just over a year ago, he was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and I became his primary caregiver. Now don't get me wrong, I'm grateful to have this time with him, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But the emotional burden can be overwhelming sometimes. I'm grieving the loss of our normal life together and the dreams we had while also trying to meet his needs and make the most of the time we have left. And if I'm being honest, self-care has taken a backseat to everything else since his diagnosis and my friends don't quite seem to get what I'm going through. I could really use some advice on how to cope with the emotional weight of caregiving while also taking care of myself and keeping some semblance of a support network. Thanks in advance for your insight and for answering my question. Hey, Sarah. First off, I want to say that I'm truly sorry to hear about Tom's diagnosis and what both of you are going through. It sounds like you're a rock star of a partner. And let me tell you, your strength... Love and dedication are nothing short of heroic. But being a caregiver is a tough gig, 
especially when it's someone you love so deeply. It's totally understandable that you're feeling the emotional burden and the impact on your self-care. My first piece of advice is to give yourself permission to grieve and experience the full range of emotions that come with this chapter of your lives. Facing a loved one's terminal illness is tough, and it's especially hard when you're the one providing care. It's okay to feel angry, sad, frustrated, or any other emotion that comes up. You're not weak or selfish for having those feelings. You're human. Now, when it comes to self-care, I know it's not easy when your main focus is taking care of Tom, but it's essential. Self-care isn't just about taking a spa day or binge-watching your favorite TV show, although those both sound pretty nice. It's about taking time for yourself and ensuring your emotional, physical, and mental well-being are taken care of. Just like they tell you on airplanes, secure your own oxygen mask before helping others. Make a conscious effort to spend some time each day on an activity that brings you joy, relaxation, or rejuvenation. It could be as simple as a walk outside, journaling, or even a short meditation session. You'll be surprised by the difference a little bit of self-care can make. In terms of maintaining a support network, it certainly sounds like your friends might not fully understand what you're going through, and that's understandable because it's not their lived experience. Look for caregiver support groups, either in person or online. Oftentimes, these groups consist of people who are or have been in similar situations as you. They understand the complexities and challenges of caregiving and can offer you support, advice, and a virtual shoulder to cry on. Besides, connecting with others in the same boat can help alleviate that sense of isolation. Lastly, consider seeking professional help. A therapist, counselor, or even a social worker specializing in caregiving might be able to provide you with tools and techniques for coping with the emotional weight of your situation. They can also connect you with local resources and help guide you on your caregiving journey. Sarah, remember that you're not alone, and seeking help and support is not a sign of weakness, but of love and strength. Ensure you're taking care of yourself first so that you can provide the love and support Tom needs during this trying time. I wish you both strength and love as you continue on this journey together. Take care, Sarah, and remember, whatever you do, do it with love and a touch of that old brainwaves wit. Hey, brainwaves. This is Alicia from San Francisco. So here's my dilemma. My ex-boyfriend and I dated for about five years, and we had an amicable breakup about two years ago. Like, we both realized we just weren't right for each other romantically, but we've stayed super close friends ever since. My friends and family have always admired our ability to maintain a solid friendship after our relationship ended. Recently, I started dating this amazing guy, and we've been together for almost six months. He knows about my friendship with my ex, but he's starting to feel uncomfortable with how close we are. He's not a jealous person, but he says it's just weird for him that I still hang out with someone I've had a romantic and intimate connection with. I absolutely don't want my current boyfriend to feel threatened, but I also don't want to lose the friendship with my ex because it's genuinely special to me. I'm feeling really torn here. What's your advice on navigating this tricky situation? And how can I reassure my boyfriend while preserving the friendship with my ex? Thanks. Hey, Alicia, thanks for reaching out with this juicy question. You've got yourself in quite a pickle, haven't you? But fear not. Your friendly advice guru Brainwaves is here to help you navigate these relationship-infested waters. First things first, let's give you major props for having mastered the art of staying friends with an ex. 
It takes a certain type of maturity and compatibility to make that transition, and not everyone can do it. So kudos to you and your ex for having found that sweet spot. Now the real issue here is about balancing your relationship with your current boyfriend and your friendship with your ex. It's important to remember that your current love connection should be a priority, but that doesn't mean dropping your ex like a hot potato either. It's all about finding the right equilibrium, like a relationship tightrope. Are you wearing your balancing shoes, Alicia? Because we're about to walk that line. First, sit down with your current boyfriend and have an open and honest conversation. Ask him to express his concerns and fears regarding your friendship with your ex. Listening to him might help you see things from his perspective and give you some insight into where he's coming from. Remember to validate his feelings and make sure he knows his emotions are absolutely valid. Next, share your feelings about your friendship with your ex and why it's important for you to maintain that connection. Help your boyfriend understand the nature of your friendship and how it differs from your romantic relationship. Look for common ground and be willing to compromise. Maybe your current boyfriend would be more comfortable with some healthy boundaries in place, like not talking to your ex about certain topics, limiting alone time with your ex, or making sure your current partner is included in some activities with your ex. Now let's not forget about your ex in all this. Being upfront with him about the situation might be beneficial too. You don't want to be walking on eggshells around either of them, and maybe your ex has some ideas on building more comfort with your current boyfriend. The key here is communication, communication. And did I mention communication? Because communication. Lastly, Alicia, trust is crucial. Help your boyfriend feel secure in your relationship. Show him, without a doubt, that he's your number one and that your friendship with your ex doesn't hold a candle to the love you share with him. Seriously, you've got to remember to shower him with affection and all that good stuff that makes a relationship thrive. In conclusion, Delicate relationship situations like this require empathy, communication, and a willingness to compromise from all parties involved. Be open with your boyfriend and your ex, set up some boundaries that make everyone comfortable, and make an effort to help them both feel included in your life. Hopefully, with a dash of patience and a sprinkle of relationship magic, you'll find a way to balance both relationships without leaving anyone out in the cold. You've got this, Alicia. Good luck and keep us posted. Well, folks, we're reaching the end of another wild ride here on Straight Talk with Brainwaves. I hope you've enjoyed the roller coaster of topics and gained some insights, laughs, and feel a bit more ready to tackle life's complexities. Remember, we're all in this wild world together, so let's keep supporting each other. Before I sign off, I want to remind you lovely listeners that your input drives the show. Don't be shy. Head over to brainwavespod.com to submit your burning questions and vote on those submitted by others. We'll be back tomorrow, Thursday, May 25th, 2023, with more no-nonsense advice, wit, and warmth. Until then, I'm Brainwaves, wishing you a fantastic day filled with courageous conversations and authentic connections. Happy Hump Day, and catch you on the flip side.